baby hits 88 miles per hour. Look at that, she's so serious. Nike. Sit. Don't get scared. Hold on to your butt. Party on, dudes. Welcome back to the Pass Forward Podcast. This is episode 81. Look who's talking now. Oh, I like the mm-hmm. I like hearing it this way. It's so exciting. But what but Wes, why why are you the one getting to be at the helm today? Well, well don't get ahead of me. I am Wes Allen, That's a good and point. with me always is my fellow talking canine, Colin Harmon. <laughs> That's me. I'm the other voice that you're hearing. <laughs> but my mouth is moving. I'm sure you're probably wondering, uh, why am I listening to this? <laughs> but you're probably always asking yourself that. But That's probably true. Specifically, where is Corey Draper? Why am I not hearing his voice right now? Well, honestly... Um, he is, he and his lovely wife, Heather, are having a baby, probably right this minute. Maybe. Um, maybe. Uh, as of, probably by the time you're hearing this, they will have had their baby and they would be joyfully and lovingly uh, embraced right now listening to this. So mm-hmm. um, congratulations. We wish nothing for the best for Corey, but um, the show had to go on. So we had to just keep on recording even without him. So, you know, you're stuck with us. Yeah. The people need it. They got to have it. Yeah. It's like the flavors at Coldstone. They got to have. It. <laughs> so it, if Corey Draper, if you love his voice and hate us, you might should just skip this episode. But if you hate Corey Draper, you're in luck. Oh, so man. stick around. You're going to have a third more of us, which might be worse. <laughs> So full disclosure, like, I don't know what they're, they're having a girl, but they haven't, uh, released what the name is. And if I was a betting man, which I'm not, you know, after the, the, uh, Chuck E. Cheese incident. Um, but if I was, I would probably bet that the baby's name will be something like Wesley Ann or something of that nature. I would think so. Just in reverence. I don't know why they wouldn't name it after me. Right. Like what other option is there really out there that would be I mean, a there suitable could be name? like a Colinetta or something like that, mm-hmm. but who wants to name their baby that? But. Yeah. No one with any dignity would name their child something so <laughs> abysmal to say kind of rolls off the tongue and down the street a little bit there. <laughs> Which isn't great. Uh, but yeah, All right. well, I'll be interested to see what they name that little uh, offspring that they've made there. Yeah, it should be good. So congratulations, Corey and Heather. But let's start this podcast. There's a lot of news. A lot of people died. So um, we we have a little segment we like to call a recurrent affair. You know what's interesting about that? I actually sent uh, Corey and Heather a little gift. And it's one of those little like things that you hang over the crib and it's going to play that music. <laughs> Uh, that'll be the lullaby that swoons their tiny little child to sleep. You know, I was wondering if that was going to be the baby's first words. It might be. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Once we named her digital, but we didn't realize that that would be the language she speaks. Interesting. Yeah. They went after like, uh, what's the Tesla guy? Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. Where you just like dropped your phone on your keyboard and that's what the (laughs) name is. Exactly. You punch, you punch your keyboard and that's your baby's name. 
Okay, anyway, uh, let's start off with the sad things, as usual. There's quite a few, like, big deaths that happened yeah. uh, recently. Um, I'm sure you've heard of most of them, but the I think that probably the biggest one is Regis Philbin. Yeah, which... which it's a that's a big one, you know. I feel like, uh, especially during the '90s, he was like on everybody's televisions, at least our mom's televisions. Oh yeah. Um, with live with Regis and Kathy Lee, um, and you know, I I think he even got bigger with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was later, early 2000s, late mm-hmm. '90s. But you know, everybody just couldn't get enough of Regis. Um, yeah. Which did is, you ever watch any of those shows or did your parents? Oh, we definitely watched uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, certainly in those early days when there was just like, I mean, that was some of the most money that was being won on television at that time. Oh, yeah. It was wild. By and the so, stupidest people, too. Oh, oh, so dumb. And the thing that was crazy <laughs> is, you know, that's what was a big spinoff for a lot of other shows in the early 2000s of like Joe Millionaire and all the other like random oh, yeah, absolutely. reality shows that came out of like people like watching people try to win money again. Yeah, no, it was that, almost like a boom in like those types of game shows. Yeah, it really was. So we definitely watched that. I mean, Redis and Kathy Lee was certainly like a household that was just on when we woke up kind of situation. Oh, yeah. My mom was religious about watching that. Oh, like, I remember in the summertime, like I would always wake up and she would be watching that. And sometimes she would like uh, wake me up at like 1130 and be like, hey, uh, Carrot Top was on Regis and Kathy Lee, so I recorded it for you. Aww. And so she would always kind of record people that she thought I would like to see, like Jim Carrey and Shaquille O'Neal yeah. and people like that. Because it was always funny, especially like Shaquille O'Neal with Regis filming, because he was so short compared to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was ridiculous because he would act cocky and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, they he was definitely uh, a voice that I heard a ton in my household mm-hmm. and i i even remember he was a co-host of like the disney would have a christmas parade every year on christmas day mm-hmm. on abc and he would usually be some sort of host on there i think most of the time he was like one of the main hosts but sometimes like he would be a side person but like i i just remember him always being like a, a big part of that and i would watch that every year yeah but um yeah, that's a that's a big one, but he, really uh, he apparently died of natural causes at 88. Yeah, um, so because I feel like we didn't hear a lot from him for the last you know few years. I feel like in no. some sense, I know there was obviously like there's been a lot of tumult when it comes to the Ann Kelly, whatever name went there, has had a few different <laughs> names ahead of that. Um, uh, but it's interesting to think about all the different things that he's done. Was he ever? involved with like the new year's eve like the dick clark's rocket new year's eve situation did he ever host for any of that kind of stuff i don't know i wouldn't be surprised though i think he was mainly like an abc person like a, a disney company kind of thing so i wonder if it, is that the dick clark or is that um i can't think but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he, I mean, when he gets excited, he gets excited. So <laughs> I would say on New Year's Eve, he would definitely be a good personality to have. Yeah, for some reason, I have a memory that is him like counting down the new year, but I can't visualize anything. <laughs> One, I, mean, I just, two, I, yeah. I just, maybe it's just him counting. Uh, is all I have in my brain. But I think the other thing... I think thing, you're thinking of Sesame Street. It's probably true. <laughs> uh, the other memory I have of him is like the fact that 
his show, Regis and Kathy Lee or Regis and Kelly, whatever it ended up becoming, um, every day was literally them just you them reading sheets like pieces of paper from the newspaper. <laughs> not like not whole articles. They just read you the headlines and then they talk <laughs> about it. It was like the beginning of opinion news in this weird way that I thought was pretty foundational at the time. It's like, that's oh, amazing. You can just have an opinion <laughs> just about have... it. You don't have to read it or anything. Oh, interesting. Like, here's the comics. Here's the funnies for you. Yeah. That's like what it, it felt like. Anyways. All right. Well, R.A.P. Regis Philman. Mm-hmm. He will definitely be missed. Uh, the next one we have is Wilford Brimley. And do you want to go ahead and get it out of the way? I wish I could do his, like, <laughs> a really good impression of him. But uh, I'm but, just I'm just you know, really the... glad he didn't die of the Beaties. I think that yeah. might be. <laughs> That could have been a lot worse. Uh, you know, a- I should have seen that coming, but I really didn't. <laughs> yeah, there, there could have been but, a foreshadowing, but it didn't happen, thankfully. But I have like a deep memory of things that he was in when I was really young. I, I don't feel like he was in much that I watched later. Yeah. But he was in Cocoon. He was in The Thing. But the thing that I... the There's no pun there. The thing that I remember him from the most uh-huh. is... Um, he. The first Star Wars movie that I ever saw, there were made-for-TV Ewok movies. Yes. There was two of them. And I, I, the first one I saw was the second one, because that's the ultimate bragging rights. The first Star Wars movie that you saw was the second Ewoks movie. That might be true for me, too. I don't think I yeah. realized those were made-for-TV. Anyways, go on. Yeah. They, I feel like they always played on the Disney Channel, so I feel like I, I watched those a lot. But he was... One of the main characters in Battle for Endor, and he helped the Ewoks save Endor, which was amazing. Yeah. So I feel like that is the main thing that you know I have deep memories for was him doing that, Man, and you know the Quaker Oaks commercials and all that. <laughs> sure. But equally mainly glamorous. saving the Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny I forgot about those until you started saying because like I. You know, we've talked about it ad nauseum, I feel like, of me not watching Star Wars until very recently. <laughs> but I forgot that those... Because I remember when we were, I was watching, like, Empire Strikes Back, uh, you know, you, you see the Ewoks in that... Nope. Or Return, Return of the Jedi. Jedi. Thank you. Uh, okay. You see the Ewoks, and I was like, huh, I've definitely seen this. So maybe it's just... Didn't remember or something like that. But yeah. I forgot about those <laughs> movies. That's really interesting, so... Yeah, and it's like there was, it was only the Ewoks. There was no like force element or kind of Darth Vader, or the, you know, the Empire or anything like that. No Luke Skywalker or anything. Mm-hmm. So it was just mainly the Ewoks and like this other family that kind of lived around them and this little girl and this brother. But um, yeah, it, it, I don't, I don't know if you consider it canon or not, but like those were the first Star Wars movies that I saw, yeah. and it's so funny because like I am like the Star Wars nerd of our podcast, and but like <laughs> that was the first Star Wars movies that I saw because you know we grew up in the dark ages of Star Wars, so we didn't really, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't alive for the the originals, and we were much late, like much older when the the prequels came out. So we kind of grew up in that like kind of gap where there weren't really much Star Wars things going That's on. Really so true, yeah. we had to take what we could get. Yeah, but, we were like born in like the Star Wars merchandising years, not necessarily the uh, Star Wars making new movies. Yeah, like the Matchbox stuff and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. those. But he died at 85. I, I, I couldn't find what he died from but i guess we could all guess but yeah um, r.i.p he will definitely be missed him and his mustache yep 
It's true. Um, it's almost like two things died. It's Wilford Brimley died and his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> they had a whole separate casket for him, <laughs> for his mustache. Uh, the next one we have is Joel Schumacher. And I don't think he's a household name, but he was a director. And he was probably no, most known for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin which I think most of us could agree was kind of the downfall of the 90s Batman movies. Yeah, it's a bit of a dip. Um, Batman Forever is kind of a guilty pleasure kind of thing. It's kind of fun, kind of, but it's kind of the beginning of the end. And then Batman and Robin, of course, is just, you know, whatever. But we'll talk about the good things that he made, <laughs> which is one of my favorite movies is Lost Boys. And he directed that. And he also directed St. Elmo's, Elmo's Fire, which has like a lot of the like Brat Pack from the 80s mm-hmm. kind of uh, actors in it. Um, but the cool thing about him was I think he started off as like a costume designer for oh, movies. Like he would design costumes and then he developed into a director. So if you notice about all of his movies, they have really elaborate costumes and like it's a he's more of like a visual director so you kind of get the sense that like you know that was his kind of main focus was making things look kind of bright and vibrant and like just interesting looking yeah it's very different from tim burton if you compare it to the batman movies but um if you notice like you know tim burton's was very dark and kind of like uh cold looking but once you got to batman forever it was very bright and like a lot of almost like neon lights and kind of that kind of thing. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, even Lost Boys is like that. You know, they're really very is. elaborate costuming and stuff. So that's interesting. I didn't realize but, that, but that does make sense when you think about the way his movies look, but yet they're sort of like, they're beautifully visually curated, but not super well <laughs> directed. Yeah, there's no story to it or yeah. kind of you know it could use a little work but yeah he should have um, been like he, a great production designer and not the director maybe yeah exactly he kind of took it a little uh, took it a little far with, with becoming a director but yeah you know, a little zealous. we still love him for it yeah but unfortunately he 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 battled a long uh battle with cancer and he died at 80 years old so yeah. uh r.i.p joel schumacher he'll definitely be missed uh, i don't think he's made much you know in the recent years but you know we'll always remember the stuff that he made oh yeah for sure um the last one we have which uh is carl reiner which do you know who this is oh yeah for sure i mean i know him from things that I've yes, I know who he is. I feel like I learned of, okay. of who he was in Ocean's Eleven, which is embarrassing, uh, ah. and then like went back through his catalog. I'm like, holy cow, he's done so much. What like he's both an actor and a director, so mm-hmm. he's kind of known for both. But he created the Dick Van Dyke Show, which is crazy, and I he of course acted in it. Um, so he is, you know, he's a comedy legend, of mm-hmm. course. And I know that he ran circles with Mel Brooks and things like that. And yep. later he directed The Jerk with Steve Martin, which mm-hmm. is, you know, comedy classic, of course. Um, and then he went on to direct things like Man with Two Brains, which is also another Steve Martin classic. And he directed two uh, summer movies that I love, which is Summer School and Summer Rental, which are have no relation to each other. So he must have been a big summer fan. <laughs> summer Rental is a good John Candy movie. It's like classic, you know, they, family goes on vacation and hilarity ensues. And 
uh, summer school is I've seen a lot of people talk about that recently. It's a, it's classic 80, like, you know, you watch it and you're like, man, this is so eighties. Um, <laughs> it but it's, it's a good movie. It's about this PE teacher that gets stuck, um, teaching a bunch of misfit kids over summer school and, you know, they learn things together and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, but good. another interesting thing is that he is Rob Reiner's father, yeah. which uh, if you know him, he's done, you know, how Harry Mac Sally and uh, I think he did Stand By Me and a few other movies, but mm-hmm. like, um, um, but yeah, Carl Reiner, he's definitely a, a legend and uh, he died at 98 years old. Yeah, man, that's nuts, a long but run. Of natural causes too. That's what's so crazy about all of these guys is like, think of how much they have watched an industry, an industry come into what it is and then completely transform into something else that it is now like what a wild thing to have to see over the last 80 ish years. That's, that's insane. I know. And it's like to go from the Dick Van Dyke show, which is, I don't know, that was probably the sixties or, or whatever. And then to go into the eighties and be like a, an acclaimed director was, I don't know. That's just amazing that he kind of stuck, stuck with comedy that long yeah. and just kind of grew from it. So, yeah, you know, RIP. I've but, been, I've been reading a uh, Judd Apatow's book, sick in the head, which is a, uh, he just basically all it is is just a book of him interviewing comedians that he likes, and really like from when he was like when Judd was like 15 years old. Oh yeah, I, I've heard of that. I haven't read it yet, but yeah. that's amazing. So it's they. I actually like a few weeks ago just read the Carl Reiner interview, and I feel like it's helping me um, understand like this uh, the shoulders that so much comedy gold that I loved growing up on is actually standing on the shoulders of people that are a decade or two or three or five Mm -hmm. uh, ahead of them. And it's just really interesting for, to hear people like uh, Gary Shandling or obviously Judd or people like that, look back on people like Carl Reiner and be like, I wanted to be funny because of what was happening in the Dick Van Dyke show, what was happening on uh, taxi or the kind of thing. It's so interesting to go back and look at that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're always standing on the shoulders of those that came before us. So, so it's, true. you know, it's so awesome to see like how those kind of inspired other people that you, you know, look as inspirational. So no, it's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's enough of the sad things, yeah. even though we Thanks. were not <laughs> yeah. very sad. Reading Thankfully, it. none of them died from the coronavirus. I know that, that we are aware know. of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. The first thing we have here, which I, it seems very exciting to me. It seems like a good idea to me is the magic school bus is making a theatrical movie. Yes. And Elizabeth Banks is going to be producing it and starring it as Miss Fizzle. Yeah. Which Fizzle. Frizzle. Yeah. The R, the R is silent. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I thought it was French. It's okay. Le Fizzle. Um, but I, I, I think that that's a good choice. I, f- I feel like, you know, I, I don't know if I would have like picked her just off the top of my head, but like, I feel like that fits. I feel like she could do that. Well, I know she's done comedy in the past. Yeah. So hopefully that, that would be a good fit for her. Like, I honestly thought that someone like Kate McKinnon would probably be a good fit for that. Uh huh. But I, as looking up through this, like I, that Netflix came out with an animated series, which I don't, I don't even feel like I saw it. I know we talked about it years ago, 
but Kate McKinnon voiced uh, Miss Frizzle in that animated series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good memory. Yeah. But did you ever read or watch uh, Magic School Bus? Uh, I definitely am aware of the books. I don't know that I ever owned any of them when it came to actually like opening them up yeah. and reading them. But I definitely watched the TV show growing up. Uh, that was a thing for sure. And uh, I... Just, I think I remember the teacher wheeling in the 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 TV and VCR and watching a few episodes like in school. Really, I I do I do remember them reading the books to us in school. I don't feel like I ever kind of sought them out on my own. I yeah. feel like it was always kind of taught to us in a certain way. You know, they would always go into space or go into the human body or. I can't remember what else they did. <laughs> they went underwater the in a submarine for a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing that always kind of stuck in my head about it is that with the space one that they said that you weigh differently on different planets. And for some reason that always stuck with me is huh. that like, I guess the gravitational pull or something is different on each planet. So like if you were to weigh yourself on each planet, you would always weigh differently. Mm. That is interesting to have that stick in your head. That's yeah. Okay. I'm interested. It's weird to the certain things that yeah. do that. I'm interested to see how Elizabeth Banks does with this though. I mean, she's done, she's, she wrote like the, and directed, I think the second Pitch Perfect. And oh, like, did she? And she just wrote like a, and directed like a horror movie a couple of years ago. Um, mm. so I'm interested, I mean, she's definitely, she's been obviously in a lot of Judd Apatow movies, uh, but I'm interested yeah. to see how she does, like how she finds her way in this new format will be interesting for her. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Um, another, which Magic School Bus was a PBS property, at least a TV show. So another PBS property is Wishbone. When They're going to be making a theatrical movie. Um, which is going to be produced by Peter Farley, which is, you know, half of the Farley brothers, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting that he would be in a project like that. Um, yeah. I, I watched Wishbone, even though I didn't tell anybody, uh, like it was one that. of those things that where you would make fun of Barney and then you would go watch Wishbone. <laughs> Oh, no, and I, I, I feel like nobody talked about it because it was like, I think it came out like mid 90s. So it was like, you know, fifth or sixth grade. So it was kind of coming up um, being a teenager. But like, I feel like everybody watched it, but just didn't want to admit it. Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely watched it to the point where like I got a Jack Russell Terrier dog in high school because I wanted oh. like it was it looked just like I mean, it wasn't the same like coloring, but the same size and everything like the same amount of like energy and how smart he was and that kind of stuff. It, it was because of that show, I just I loved it. We never like put him in costumes or anything. That probably would have been like a little too obvious uh, at that you point. You didn't dress him up as Robin Hood and all that stuff. <laughs> probably should have missed opportunity there for sure. But oh yeah, I definitely watched that show far beyond when yeah. it was appropriate for my age to be watching that oh, show. Yeah. So I feel you in solidarity on that. I one. agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look how cute yeah, he is. I He's dressed up like a popper. <laughs> I feel like the bully in fifth grade is going to pop into my room right now and start beating me up now. He's like, I knew it. You watched Wishbone. You always lied. Why is your voice so good? But I think it would be a good movie. I feel like that's a good... I, I do I do hope that they don't like make his mouth move. Oh, for some reason, I, 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 I feel like it was always interesting that, you know, I think it was, you know, obviously because of budget and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, 
the voice was always kind of in his head and especially when he was around his owners and not like in the story he would you know you would just hear his voice and see him but you wouldn't really see his mouth moving to the words but i i I hope that they don't kind of take it too far and kind of make it cheesy like that yeah I feel like they can go like the homeward bound route and just be like animals can talk to animals with like ESP, but they don't talk exactly. to humans. I'd be fine with that. That's a good thought. Yeah. Which is going to be, shouldn't be like snow buddies or something like that, where it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> insanity mouth moving. And... Which that's, what's going to be weird. I don't think I have a category for like a long format wishbone. Cause it's always been yeah. like 26 minute episodes or whatever. That's going to be kind of weird. Yeah. So I wonder if they'll kind of do it where he'll go into different stories for some reason. Like, cause oh. he would always go into classic literature kind of yeah. uh, stories. So like, I wonder if he'll kind of just go into like maybe four or five stories or something like that, that kind of applies to whatever is going on in real life. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe but. he's like a dog that gets locked in a library and then he has to like learn <laughs> his way to out read. from literature <laughs> all in one night. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> Okay, the next thing I know that you're probably excited about this um, is a Beavis and Butthead reboot. Why am I so excited um, about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, comedy, like if we all know, you know, MTV was famous for having a Beavis and Butthead, but Comedy Central, which is you know owned by the same company Viacom that MTV is, mm-hmm. so Comedy Central has ordered two seasons of a new Beavis and Butthead reboot. And the the good thing is uh, is that Mike Judge is is uh, set to return, yes. and he's going to write, produce, and provide the voices for the both of the characters. So, um, so at least Mike Judge is in, involved. I feel like I would be nervous if he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but they say it's a reimagine reimagining. So I don't know if they're going to change the characters. I hope they don't. Uh, yeah. um, but it, it should be interesting to see Beavis and Butthead today. I know that they kind of brought them back maybe like five or 10 years ago, briefly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's going to be, I think it's going to be funny. Uh, yeah. I'm intrigued I don't know. To, because, you know, so much of the show premise was like these two total deadbeats that liked watching mtv basically like they liked watching music videos well now obviously mtv hasn't shown a video in probably like a decade (laughs) but you know music videos still exist they're just all on youtube and they're all like you know crazy high budget sometimes or whatever or it's like one person on the stool you know doing a cover of one of their really huge like stadium rock songs so it's if they keep that same format of like people just we're basically just watching two cartoons waste time and watch youtube and eat pizza like i don't know i mean i'm not against it i watched a lot of it already so i'm gonna be here for it but it's gonna be interesting or or they could watch what is on mtv which is like teen mom shows and things like that like stupid reality shows that would be good too. they could do like kind of stupid commentary on things like it's that like mystery science like theater. almost like a mystery science theory <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's oh. like, i feel like that would be good i want all of that to happen all of that sounds fantastic i'm excited for this one that that was a very like even the movie beavis and butthead do america was like formative <laughs> to me being like, you can say that like you can get away with, like you can be the person that lets that out into the world. And it's funny. People <laughs> laugh at that. Like, ah, it was really liberating in a weird way when I was a kid. I don't know why. 
I remember Beavis and Butthead was the reason that I couldn't, I was not allowed to watch MTV. That alone? It was like, I could not watch MTV at all because of Beavis and Butthead. It's like, it didn't matter if that was on or not. It's like, it was off limits at my house, but you know, sorry, mom. I still snuck a peek every now and then. Yeah. You got to learn the cable uh, code and then you can go watch it. Yeah. (laughs) See, I didn't even have that. I could just switch to the channel. And luckily Nickelodeon was the next channel over. So I could just swap it over real quick. Nobody even know the difference. (laughs) You had it figured out. You had a good system. (laughs) Speaking of Nickelodeon, Hmm. um, I know you're probably excited about this next one. They are also Comedy Central is also rebooting Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, which makes me um, nervous. <laughs> honestly, I'm kind of nervous too, because I feel like uh, even when it was on Nickelodeon, you know that the creators had a restraint to it to be somewhat appropriate to to kids, mm-hmm. which is funny to think as Ren and Stimpy of having restraint. <laughs> But I, I, I fear that without that restraint, it's just going to be way too much. Oh, I know it. I feel like it's just going to be way too raunchy and too just, I don't know, just distasteful completely and yeah. not have any kind of good value to it. Which didn't they kind of bring it back once already, sort of? Isn't that true? Yeah, they they brought it back to uh, Spike TV when that was a thing. Okay. Um, that was probably like 10 years ago or maybe even longer, but they did like make it super raunchy and super for or adults. And I honestly didn't watch it. I think I probably watched like half of the first episode and, and just like, no, this is, this is not my mm-hmm. Stimpy. It's too much. Not my Stimpy. So not my Stimpy, but um, it seems like comedy central is kind of, it seems like they're trying to develop their own kind of like adult swim kind of block where it's like they have these adult kind of oriented animated shows. Cause I know that they're bringing back Daria, which we talked about, a, it seems like a year or two ago, mm-hmm. which was on MTV and now it's switched over to comedy central and they're bringing back clone high, which is kind of outside of our, the topics we talk about, but it was early 2000 animated show, which was fantastic. So they're bringing that, that back as well. So it seems like they're bringing back all these things that we kind of watched or weren't allowed to watch as kids <laughs> and kind of putting an adult spin on it. Yeah. Obviously Beavis and Butthead was always adult, but like, um, it, it kind of seems like they're trying to get their own adult swim kind of block going on, yeah. which isn't that still Viacom isn't adult swim still Viacom. Is it, is comedy central under Viacom? I thought, that may be right. I I'm not so. sure. Maybe, but you're uh, probably right. But yeah, I think cause that's where like Ren and Stimpy, I feel like toes this line for me for some reason where it's like, yes, I love like the weird humor that it is, but they always lobbed in like this really grotesque oddly grossly painted details of stuff Mm -hmm. that like grossed me out in standard definition let alone like watching it in hd or 4k now like i don't know if i'm ready like i don't i really want to like marvel at their art but i also don't want to see that in bigger than 480 (laughs) pixels by 640 pixels true that it makes me really nervous none of us are ready for that okay uh the next thing is a little less gross is that well maybe i hope so is that they are yet again bringing back teenage mutant ninja turtles as a cg movie this time as a reboot Mm -hmm. and 
if you know, they've kind of come out with Michael Bay versions of live action yeah. you know, CG hybrids the last few years, which were, you know, not to be desired. And I know that they did come out with a CG movie probably like 10 or 15 years ago, which is pretty good. I've only seen it once. Um, but this time, uh, Seth Rogen, which I mean, it's so surprising to see <laughs> that Seth Rogen and a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the same title. Yeah. But, um, and also Evan Goldberg, which he's good. Yeah. I think they've Both done a ton of movies together. Yeah. So it's kind of those, not the Judd Apatow movies, but movies kind of like that. The, the generic kind of Seth Rogen comedies. Yeah. Um, but they're, they are producing it and, uh, Jeff Rowe, who is directing it, who used to work with uh, Gravity Falls, mm -hmm. which fantastic anime. It series. really is. So I feel like it's a good team working on this. That as long as Michael Bay is not involved, I'm happy because <laughs> uh, I really want to see a really good Ninja Turtles movie come out. Because you know I'm massive Ninja Turtles fan. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm always welcome for a new take on it and. I saw an interview with Seth Rogen recently that he, somebody asked him about this movie and he said that something that, you know, how are, are we going to do this differently is that they're going to hone in on the teenage aspect of it, which I don't feel like has uh -huh. been explored as much. All so right. maybe a little bit of coming age story or kind of honing in on what kind of makes them teenagers because that was something that I never really thought about as a kid that like they were young. Like yeah. I always kind of viewed them as kind of being older or adults, but like they are teenagers. So like they're like, you know, 15 years old or something like that. So I feel like that would be a different angle that we haven't seen before. So I feel, I feel like that's a good start. Yeah. I feel like the, that's a good point. And you think about, you know, what was explored in some of those movies is like really the only emotion is like, pizza and then Raph was angry and there wasn't a whole lot of other like emotional yeah. vibrance <laughs> in some of their conversations yeah, they like skateboarding and things like that yeah. so it's just like it was like playing up a lot of stereotypes but they didn't necessarily show you know what i'll speak for myself like what i feel like a lot of people like me or us were going through when it comes to like what does it mean to fit in i know i'm supposed to desire it but yeah. i don't know what the goal is and you know even living in their world would be very different so that's an interesting point in to your, what you were saying earlier like gravity falls even though that's supposed to be for people that are younger than me like that's a very well written and hilarious television oh, yeah. show it's it's, it's beautiful it's, i've only seen i've only seen a few episodes but it's from what i've seen i've laughed really hard mm -hmm. and it's it's well written and, and it, it is beautiful it's like a, it's a great animated series oh, yeah. so uh yeah. yeah, if they do it in that um, style, if they do it like in the Gravity Falls like look, oh, oh that would be cool. I'll just leave this on mute, like on a projector in front of my <laughs> screen, so I'm just watching it all the time. Like, oh, I love that show. That would be amazing to do a classic animation. Yes, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. I would not be mad about it. All right, the next thing, speaking of like a coming of age kind of story, is the Wonder Years is getting rebooted, mm. um, but this time it will follow a black middle-class family in Montgomery, Alabama, oh, but it'll still be set in the late sixties, like much like the original did. Ooh. So I, I feel like this is a, if you're going to reboot the wonder years, I feel like doing a different perspective like this is the way to go. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be great. I'm very, yeah, I'm very I, I feel like as long as they keep the same tone, kind of like the dramedy kind of thing where it's like, 
it still played serious, but, you know, it still has humor in it, but it's very much the coming of age and kind of growing up in that era and kind of the awkwardness of it. And, um, you know, I love the wonder year. So like, I'm fully in support of seeing kind of just a different angle on that same era and same tone of show. Which, where did the original um, Wonder Years take place? Do you know? It took place in the 60s. But like, you know what location in the US it was? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't either. But that's right. I'm not sure. It definitely was in Alabama. Yeah. So it was definitely a different um, different area of the country. And especially, uh, you know, Alabama in the late 60s, obviously, is during the civil rights movement and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it'll be... You know, it's very timely, so I'm I I'm very excited to watch this this show, and it it'll be ABC. So um, I'm always kind of weary of ABC shows because like I, I hope that they don't veer too cheesy or too yeah. come up too much on the like kind of comedy realm. So I do hope that they kind of play it more straight. You know, it could still you know, of course be lighthearted like the original, but um, I don't know I. I, I hope that they, with the subject ju- subject matter, that they kind of take it seriously. Yeah, I wonder if they'll go, I mean, this is maybe getting too hopeful in some sense, but I wonder if in, like if they would modernize the storytelling aspect in the sense of like how we've developed as an audience to where, you know, the Wonder Years almost seems like too predictable sometimes in some of the outcomes when you go back and yeah. watch them. Whereas you maybe watch nowadays of like, the complicated parts of relationships um, like parenthood or this is us or things mm-hmm. like that, that if they went that route, but we're telling some of those like, you know, really difficult stories that were happening, especially in Alabama during the civil rights movement, that would be really, I feel like I, I'm usually the person who is skeptical of shows that are like trying to teach you something while walking you through a certain piece of history. But I feel like this mm-hmm. is one of those ones that there is so much that deliberately goes unsaid, but there's so much to be revered and to be learned that is still applicable today that I think would be a fascinating perspective if they really leaned into it, which I think they're going to, or oh, yeah, they're at absolutely. least showing the opportunity to do so. That'll be fascinating. Yeah, I definitely feel like with everything going on that they would certainly feel the weight of kind of telling that story right yeah. and kind of, you know, take it seriously. So yeah, hopefully, I'm excited for it. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be good. Hopefully they can start filming it in the next 10 months. I, I know. That, that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, you know, all these things are announced. I'm like, I don't know when they're going to start. Other than like animation stuff, I'm like, I don't know when they're going to make this stuff. Yeah. Can't um, wait to watch it on my 40th birthday. I know. <laughs> for real. <laughs> on VOD. Uh, let's see. Uh, the next thing on our list is, uh, who's the boss sequel TV series. Interesting. Um, which will have Tony Danza and Alyssa Milano returning. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it'll obviously not have, uh, the, the one woman that played Mona cause she passed away that last year. That's right. And a few of the other actors are supportive of the series, but um, they're they're going to try and kind of create ways to get them into the show. But as of right now, it's going to mainly focus on Tony Danza and Alyssa Milano, which is a father son or father daughter yeah. dynamic in the show. Um, which I think of out of all the eighty the classic eighties uh, sitcoms, this was probably the one that I saw the most. Really. Um, yeah, for some reason I don't. I always remember Tony Danza, and 
I always remember kind of being on TV. So I, you know, it was, I was very young when it came out, but I, I, I do remember it being on a lot. So I'm very familiar with it. It's interesting. Yeah. This is one that I definitely am aware of. And I think I probably have seen the intro to it probably a hundred times, but that was just like the time where I'm like, where's the remote? <laughs> like, I, I always changed away from it because I don't know if it just didn't feel like the right pace for me when I was at the age that I was watching it, whatever. Yeah. So like, I'm aware it exists, but I definitely didn't watch it when I was growing up. So I'll be interested to see what yeah. they do with it. I'm always interested with shows like this when they bring them back. Does it, is it so good that you want to go back and watch all of what it's based off of? Like, I think that would be a challenge. Yeah. Cause I don't even remember what network it was on. So it was like, it needs to be thrown on something for people to kind of have a, you know, an interest in it again. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm sure that, you know, it'll have probably Alyssa Milano as a mother and she'll have her kids and all that kind of stuff. And Tony Danz is probably helping her through life as a single mother, how these things usually go. Um, so I'm sure that like adults will want to show their kids their original so that they can understand what's kind of going on. But, you know, I'm sure it's going to be kind of like Fuller House or something yeah. like that, where it's like it can stand alone. But like to really get the weight of it, you can watch the original if you want to. Yeah, which I know Fuller House has been a huge um, proponent for people going back and watching the original Full House, like wild, like even people that are you know a little bit older than me and they have like kids that are going into college are like oh yeah but all my daughters or my sons do is like sit there and, and binge watch through full house and i'm like what like not fuller house full house <laughs> I'm like yeah that's so crazy because i feel like it's very dated i feel dated. like there's some some set comes like i feel like boy meets world kind of holds up and a few others but i feel like full house is probably of the like tgif lineup i feel like that is probably one of the more dated ones mm-hmm. um but it is interesting that 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 there's still an, an appeal to that mm-hmm. no it's really true yeah all right the next thing we have is a twister reboot um which will be directed by joseph because i'm not even gonna Kaczynski? try and say his last name not Kaczynski. Kaczynski. not Kaczynski. <laughs> Kosinski, we'll say that. Kosinski, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, which he directed, um, Top Gun Maverick, which has yet to come out, yeah. and who knows when it'll come out. And he directed Tron Legacy, yeah, so he's not a stranger to bringing back um, things that we love. Um, I personally love Twister. Uh, I feel like it's been on cable a lot lately, <laughs> um, and anytime it's on, I stop and watch it, and. Um, you know, obviously Bill Paxton won't be back because he passed. We lost him a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I don't know what Helen Hunt is doing anymore. But yeah. you know, I, I feel like you know, considering this director has dealt with these big budget action movies, I f- I feel like they could do some cool stuff with it. Because mm-hmm. I remember when it came out with it was when it came out, it was a it was a one of the kind of first like special effects heavy like CGI movies that kind of came out in the mid nineties. So like they really leveraged a lot of technology in it that surprisingly still holds up. You know, you think it would be a little dated, but it's, it, it still looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a guilty pleasure for me. I still love watching it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, this is really nerdy, but here we are. Uh, I think 
this is the one of the movies that made me really interested in weather. Like I'm still the person that has like three <laughs> weather apps on my phone and like I have like a light really a lightning I, tracker. I, I, like I'm totally that person. I remember every time it started when we shared an office when we worked together, you would like you'd be like, It's gonna rain in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, it's not even dark outside, it's gonna rain in three minutes. Sure enough, three minutes later uh, it started raining. Yeah. So it's been so interesting <laughs> to look back and think like a lot of that started in my brain from like watching this movie and I feel like this is where I learned to watch network television weather reporting more informed because I understood like what a low pressure system was or what high pressure meant and what it did. And I just think about like from a really dorky perspective, I'll keep it short, but like the amount of weather technology that is developed and exists now compared to when this movie came out, like they could do, cause that's what the movie was about is like studying tornadoes yeah. in a way that were not possible before. Whereas yeah, now it's very normal. The, the Dorothy mentality, uh-huh. the, the, the Dorothy Using technology. the Pepsi fins. And I think that's yeah. what's so <laughs> wild to think about now is, you know, like we can fly drones into tornadoes and we can fly like all sorts of different things like oh, that. Yeah. And they can just throw like particle trackers in there the same way. So it's very, there's so much more we know now that I'm very interested to see what take they approach this with. Cause I, I mean, it was weirdly influential for me at a, at that age. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, for sure. So I'm interested to see what they And do. you have so much like uh city killer kind of uh, storms that kind of come through yeah. now, like with the hurricanes and all that stuff. So it's like, true. Uh, you know, it's always going to be relevant. So I feel like it's a good time to have another twister type movie. So yeah. I'm excited for it. I just need one more natural disaster to be afraid of. So that's perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, the next one, I, 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 knowing you, I would imagine you would be very excited for this. I feel like this oh, yeah. has you written all over it. it. It's a Fletch reboot, oh, and it's going to star John Hamm. It's like you couldn't which, have cast anyone better in my brain. I know. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, yeah, that that works. That 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 works out oh, exactly. It's going to be so good. I I obviously love John Hamm just from the person that he is, but also in Mad Men and even just like the way that he plays characters of like, he is such a comedic actor, but plays so serious. Like what, who, who we played as Don Draper and Mad Men was just so, you know, meant to be this ominous, like always withholding type of male character. But like the person he is when he like hosts SNL is like one of the best hosts there is because yeah. he'll just do anything. And uh, like, honestly, I've seen more of his like comedic stuff than like, I, I never got really got into Mad Men, which uh, I know is a great show, yeah. but I just never really got into it. But like, yeah, I know that he is a very comedic actor. So like, so and he's always kind of surprising how well he does at it. So I'm, you know, like, I feel like, you know, those are definitely big shoes to fill with Chevy Chase, but like, you know, I feel like, you know, uh, Chevy Chase, um, he as a person person hasn't aged well as far as like his attitude and his, <laughs> you know, reputation. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, he had his day in comedy and he, there's no one, there was no one else like him, especially in the vacation movies. But I, I feel like it would be really cool to kind of see someone else fill the, the Fletch shoes because I feel like it's even Fletch is kind of like a very underrated Chevy chase, uh, a comedy but I, I it's it's fantastic it's really it, good it always holds up just really well um one thing about reading through this is that i didn't realize that fletch was a book series yes 
And apparently this reboot is going to be based off of the second book in the series, which is called Confess Fletch, yes. which has, if you look, you can Google it, but like it has a very complex, um, hilarious um, plot to it uh, where there's so many layers to it. So I, I'm really looking forward to Me it. Me too. And it's going to be directed by the same director that did Superbad and Adventureland and Arrested Development. So I feel like John Hamm with that kind of comedy direction is going to be just, it's, it's just what we need oh, right yeah. now. It's just a good classic comedy. Um, I, I'm, I'm so for it. So. Which have they said, have they set a uh, release date for this or is this just like announced? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like we were saying before. It's like, who really knows? Yeah. I, I think so probably, true. you know. The good thing about the only plus side to you, you know, nobody really starting anything is that they can really take the time to make it good. Cause like, you know, I feel like a lot of people get a cash grab. They like quickly write a script, shoot it, edit it and put it out and, you know, make, try to make money. But I feel like with this, the, the, um, bittersweet part of it is that people can actually make things better. So hopefully they can write the script better, kind of get it, you know, in a better place than it probably would have been. So no, that's really true. I think that'll be, that'll be a great, uh, approach if they take their time with it. Cause it is one of those ones where you're, it's like movies we talked about in the past. You're competing with my memory of Fletch, not actually Fletch. And that's way, yeah, exactly. way more endeared in some sense. So it'll be great though. Cool. By the way, we have a lot of news to, that we've been getting through. Um, you know, we've been kind of like on and off with our episodes lately. We haven't been as consistent with month by month. So there's, there's surprisingly with the pandemic and everything, there's been a lot of things mm-hmm. that have been coming out or news that's been coming out. So, and we're, since Corey's not joining us, we're only going to record one episode this month. So uh, so this one will run a little longer. So, you know, get your fill while you can. So <laughs> drink it in. Um, but, uh, the next thing that we have is a mimic T- TV series, which mimic, I don't know if you were I don't know aware what this of is, this. No. It was kind of a sci-fi horror movie that came out in the nine late nineties. Okay. It was kind of a, um, I don't know what to compare it to, but it was kind of like a, they were develop. I, I think I only saw it once, but they were developing something to get rid of cockroaches of some kind. They were developing like this kind of hybrid bug. And, you know, most like most sci-fi movies, uh, things go awry. Sure. And like the thing that they invented is m- way more powerful than they anticipated. And they, it starts mimicking people. Hmm. This bug does. Um, so that's really my memory or knowledge of it, but they're going to develop a TV series out of it, which personally, I always love when they take an old movie, older movie and turn it into a TV series, because Mm. I feel like TV TV is where it's at now. That's where you can really delve into story and kind of really hone in on a concept and like make it really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But the director for this is Paul W S Anderson, who is most known for directing the, Resident Evil, Event Horizon, and Mortal Kombat. So I feel like this kind of style uh, really kind of fits in with the the story and those types of movies. So like I feel like it'll be an interesting TV show. But um, 
Who knows? <laughs> it may be a cheap sci-fi series, yeah. but who knows? I mean, Resident Evil is good, and <laughs> Event Horizon scared the snot out of me when I was a kid. So <laughs> yeah, for real, I'll be very interested to see what this ends up being. Hmm. Yeah, I've never heard of the of the concept of mimic, but that should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's. A, I, I need to revisit it, but I, I think I remember it being pretty okay. Hmm. So, hmm. um, now we're getting into things that have actually been shot and you know will come out someday um we have our first look at the bill and ted face the music uh trailers like since we last recorded i think the day after we recorded last was when they released the first trailer i'm like (laughs) god dang it um so um I don't, were you a Bill and Ted fan growing up at all? Or do you kind of uh, have any context for Bill and certainly Ted? Certainly context. I was probably, I mean, I watched them all. I was like a casual viewer when it comes to being the person observing a lot of it. But I, watching these trailers now, I'm like, oh man, have I aged that much? <laughs> <laughs> for real. Time is cruel. Yeah. But for real. And yeah, it's like, I'm a massive Bill and Ted fan. I was very much a fan of the movies growing up and it is like a thing. I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And especially like um, for the first thing that jumps out about me is watching these trailers. And I I remember seeing behind the scenes photos of, of uh, Keanu Reeves and, and uh, Bill I forget what his name is, Um, but uh, that they, that Keanu Reeves shaved his beard off for this role. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, he looks so weird without facial hair now because you're so used to seeing him and like at least some sort of facial hair. So it's very, um, it's very shocking to see him like with a baby face and it's like it's weird because it's like he's not meant to be playing a younger version of himself it's like a it's meant to be played today in today's um time so he would be an adult mm-hmm. so it's like it wouldn't be weird to at least have some facial hair but it's like i wonder if they're just trying to be like See, remember Keanu Reeves when he was younger? That that's the same person, right? right? You know, John Wick and Matrix and all that. Like that's the same person. <laughs> that was Ted. Um, but uh, you know, other than that, it's like you have to have a certain expectation when you're like, what does a 2020 version of a Bill and Ted movie look like? Yeah. And honestly, it's like it, it definitely um is what i expected out of it um it definitely looks like it's not the highest budget ever yes has some budget behind it obviously with um, keanu reeves in it but um you know you you have to adjust your expectations probably when you if you see the movie and uh it's going to be lighthearted. it's probably just going to be a thing that you kind of have to turn off your brain and watch but um I don't, I'm going to go ahead and predict that, you know, the whole storyline of Bill and Ted is that they are meant to write a song that saves humanity and being brings world peace and yada, yada. And, you know, the, the whole point of this is that they haven't written it yet. And they're trying to figure out how to write this song that does all the stuff. And I'm going to guess that they weren't meant to write this song at all. It was meant to be for their two daughters to write this song. Oh, interesting. Um, 
I feel like, you know, the whole point of the, the first movie was to keep Bill and Ted together so that they didn't fail out of school and Ted didn't have to go to military school and all that and to split them up. So that was the reason that they had to do like the book report that kind of kept them in school uh-huh. and kept them to ke- together so they could write the song. But I guess the whole reason is the so that they could stay friends this entire time so that her, their daughters could help write the song that saves humanity and all that kind of stuff. So I guarantee you that that's the spin they're going to take on it. Cause I feel like it's, 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 I don't know if it's like a passing of the torch kind of thing where we're going to see more Bill and Ted kind of movies, but with the daughters, but um, I, I just, I, I feel like that's the take they're probably going to have with it. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting perspective. I hadn't thought about that because I feel like, you know, that's what um uh Indiana Jones sort of tried to do with Shia yeah, LaBeouf, exactly. but obviously that um <laughs> got smashed by a giant ball or something, I don't know, <laughs> but uh I feel like that that's, that's interesting perspective to think about them doing this. Uh, and it's even though it's like Star Wars and all these kind of legacy sequels where they come back after 20 or 30 years and you kind of have to do a passing the torch kind of thing or else it just kind of seems sad and pathetic, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. It's like um, dumb and dumber but, too. Uh, yeah. Like that's where <laughs> exactly. it was like, Oh, you tried to do the, you tried to make the same movie in a totally different yeah, comedic just, style and it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And it's way too late. It's too little too late. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing, as far as the time period that we're in, you know, they kept saying, you know, it was going to be re- released in theaters and it still is, but it's going to be released to straight to video as well. Ooh. So you'll be able to rent it digitally the day that it comes out in, in uh, theaters. So whatever, I don't know if it's kind of independent theater that you're at or you go into a drive through theater and see it, but like it'll... You can also watch it at the comfort of your own home, probably for like 20 or 30 bucks to watch it, Um, which I think I just read the other day that Mulan is doing that as well. The the live action Disney movie. So they are going to put it on Disney Plus, but you have to pay 30 bucks additional for it. But... You know, it's not just like a one-time rental. Like they say that if you pay the 30 bucks for Mulan, it'll stay on your Disney plus as long as you have a subscription. Hmm. So you basically own it, you know, as long as you keep subscribing, but, um, (laughs) which is very interesting take, but it's like, um, it's like, what do you do now? Cause I feel like they keep pushing back release dates. Um, but uh, there's just no kind of end in sight with the pandemic and COVID and all that stuff. So it's like, they want to make money off of the things that they've already made. And who knows if they'll make anywhere near the same amount they would, uh, if they release it in a theater, but you know, who knows? But like, honestly, it's like, I don't see Bill and Ted doing super well in the theater. So like, I would imagine the most, most people that watch this movie are going to watch it at home. Yeah. So, um, it's probably what I'm going to do. I've thought about like, maybe I, I thought about going to like a drive-in movie. Cause I haven't done that yet. There's only like, there's one here in Atlanta that I don't love going to, but there's <laughs> two kind of very North Atlanta. that are probably about an hour and a half away, but I may just take the dogs up there and have a day of Give it. it a go. 
I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, it's I am excited about Bill and Ted. I know it's gonna be a guilty pleasure and I know that it's probably not gonna be the best movie ever, but no. I, I am excited for it because I am a fan of yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's it's coming out in a time when our brains are being forced into this transition of like what does it mean to enjoy a movie? And it's kind of like a, maybe a little existential to say that as one sentence, but I think in some weird way, like you look at the trolls movie that came out that did actually pretty well on a digital release. It did pretty well. And like the trolls two or three, whatever it was five trolls, 10, I think it was. (laughs) And, uh, and then even like, uh, King of Staten Island, that, uh, movie with Judd, the Judd Apatow did. Oh yeah. yeah. That came out, um, digital only, but they were planning on having a theatrical release. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what movies, uh, if they can, I think what they're struggling to figure out is the price point thing. There's a, there's a mental block in our brains where I'll go pay 30 bucks to see a movie in a theater, but I'm not going to pay 15 to watch it in my house. And there is this weird block. I've seen a lot of drawback with that, with people complaining about that. Yeah. And so, and which I understand that. And I think there is, uh, the trouble is, is I think there is still this sense of like stinginess in the industry that I think, uh, is maybe 10 or 15 years behind the music industry in a weird way where like when Spotify and iTunes started coming Mm -hmm. out, they started freaking out because they weren't making the margins that they were making when they were selling albums. And you know, you buy, you buy an album for one song and you get 11 in a weird way. And I think that was like a really weird thing that they were expected to make money off of. And now we're like, Oh, I want the single or like, I'll just stream this one song for one, one billionth of a cent. Like, yeah, it changes the way you make money. And I think in some weird way that's going, this whole season is going to propel forward the visual entertainment industry in a similar way of how they do distribution. The other thing will be interesting, because you look at like, uh, you know, obviously like even using this movie as an example, it's a movie that would normally get released in theaters and probably do fine-ish, but like it's not a movie that most people that would go watch it are going to go watch in a theater. So they're going to end up watching it at home five months later so the weekend release yeah, looks exactly. weak but the movie actually does well and i feel like this has this yeah, weird it'll possibility do, it will do well like streaming on amazon prime yeah. or something like that where it's like you know like hey i, I like bill and ted i'll watch a third one and exactly. for free because i already have a subscription to it so yeah so i think the biggest yeah, hindrance it, is it's the definitely pricing. interesting i think if they can figure that kind of stuff out or they can train or help us understand the merit of it. So like, I feel like Apple right now is the closest to saying like, if you buy a movie uh, with your Apple TV 4k or whatever, you're getting a really, really high broadcast version of that movie instead of like, Oh, this is when you can stream over the low bandwidth garbage of Netflix or from Hulu, whatever, like you (laughs) get a more, you get that like 7.1 sound, you get like the really HDR video that you would get in a theater. Like it's a little bit more bandwidth heavy experience. That is more like a theater experience that I think when, if they can start figuring that out, it's going to make me like, I'll speak for myself. It's going to make me buy surround sound speakers. Like, Oh, if this is where I see movies now, like I'm going all in in a weird way. Like I'm going to build me a theater in a weird way. And I think that's a new untapped market outside of like really weird audiophile people that they could turn people that are average into building their own movie theater kind of sense. Exactly. And it's kind of like every other part of our life right now is like, 
Oh, so I'm probably going to be working at home a lot more now. So I'm going to invest more into my workspace more. Or, you know, like you're saying, it's like, I'm going to invest more into my home theater system because I know that I'm going to be watching 75% more of my entertainment right here at my house. So like, you know, it kind of balances out the cost, hopefully, you know, if they kind of figure out a good system for it. Um, But it, it is like kind of a thing where it's like, I love owning movies. I don't, I'm not really a big renter, like of like paying like five or six bucks to rent a movie and be like, Oh yeah, whatever. It's like, I would rather pay the extra, like, you know, five or six bucks on top of that to own it. So if I enjoy it, I can watch it as much as I mm-hmm. want. And I, I'm, I have a collector mentality. So even if it's gi- digital, I like having the, the collector mentality of it. So say if I rent Bill and Ted, um, I understand not being able to own it outright because like, if you want to watch it again, you'll have to pay another 20 or 30 bucks, but it would be a good incentive for me. If like, say, if you're like, if you rent it, you can, we'll give it to you in three months when, you know, the, the kind of time span of whenever the theater release would be done where it's like, if you rent it, we'll give it to you free digitally in three months when we put it out on video. That way it's like, it makes that $30 price point not hurt so bad. Even though, like you say, it's like, that would be how much I would probably pay to go see it in a theater with me and my wife. Right. Um, or, and it's like, it's a killer deal. If you like, if you go and see a movie and you have a family of four or five, it's like, you know, you're at least like kind of saving money Mm -hmm. and you don't have to drag your kids to the theater and kind of be a disruption and all that kind of stuff. So, and and you don't even have to take a shower beforehand or whatever, get dressed. It's like, you can just hang out and watch it. So, you know, I'm an introvert, so I love being at home. So I'm a big homebody. So it's like, I don't mind the kind of incentive of watching things. Of course, I love going to the theater. That's one of my favorite things to do, but it's like, you know, if we're in, if we're in this for the long haul, then it's like, you know, I'm totally fine with kind of sitting back on my couch and watching it on my TV. Yeah. Now what you're to add what, to what you're saying, I was trying to think about like, I was thinking about how to write this down. It's just not a new idea probably, but like say for example, if you write what's out right now, like say if you rent King of Staten Island, uh, that's $20 to rent. But let's say because you spent $20 to rent that, when you want to go and buy the full like iTunes extras version or whatever that has all the extra interviews and audio commentary and mm-hmm. deleted scenes, blah, blah, blah. The cost that you spent to rent that goes toward your purchase price. So it says like, Oh yeah. That's so it's idea. $30 to buy that movie, but you already spent 20 renting it on opening weekend. So really it's only $10 for you to buy the movie. Like, okay. Like that for me is actually like a really great price point for them to spend no extra money to host it on some server for me to actually have it. Like that's a great way for them to monetize that. Uh, Exactly. Because it's like, because we've gotten into such the digital market, they're not having to make it, you know, they they still make Blu-rays and stuff, but it's like, it's not any extra money to them to give it to me to rent versus to own. So it's like, it doesn't really save them or cost them any more money to do that. And it's kind of like how when um, Apple TV went to 4K, they they were like, any movie that you bought on iTunes will now upgrade to 4K for free. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's such a cool thing. It's like, oh, because I, you know, I've spent most of my life 
upgrading from VHS to DVD to Blu-ray <laughs> and buying the same movie three or four yeah. times because, you know, the format always changes. But the fact that if I had bought, you know, the Goonies in HD on iTunes, it's going to transfer to 4K whenever they have that kind of transfer yeah. for free if I bought it on Ooh. iTunes. You know, I buy things through Vudu and all that kind of stuff too, so that doesn't upgrade. But if I buy it on iTunes, I know that they're probably going to take care of me and upgrade me to 4K, 8K, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's it's almost an investment in a way. So it's kind of like what you're saying. If you rent it, you know that Apple or whoever is going to take care of you and kind of like give you everything in time. Yeah. And I think that's, I hope that's like a model that we see coming for things like this as we develop. Anyways, that's, all, that could be a whole different podcast awesome. probably we could start up, but <laughs> I know we went in <laughs> real hard. Corey tells us to shut so the heck the up. What's the Bill and Ted trailer? So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So two more things, um, both on Netflix that have been released and I have watched both things. Colin has watched one thing. One thing is Unsolved Mysteries mm. and the other thing is the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> I'll go ahead and start with Unsolved Mysteries, okay. and then we can talk about Babysitter's yeah. Club. Um, so you haven't watched Unsolved Mysteries. No, it scares me. Um, they have too much money to make it too scary now. <laughs> I know. It's like they really did. It's, it's, you know, it's 2020, so they have to kind of compete with the newer crime TV shows, which they do, mm. and they do very okay. well. It's Netflix. They do really yeah. good. You know, they do you know, making a murderer. They do these shows really well. So, um, but they also paid real good tribute to the original. Oh. So they keep the, they have a, a newer version of the theme song, but it's, you know, 90% the same Equally thing. Equally haunting. They just kind of add a modern twist to it. So like, as you know, Unsolved Mysteries, you know, most of its creep factor and its nostalgia comes from its intro, that music. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the rest voiceover. of it comes from Robert Stack, <laughs> um, which they have decided not to have a host this time, hmm. which I think is probably the best move because, you know, you can't live up to Robert Stack. He was the perfect host for that TV show. Yeah. He was, you know, he had that deadpan look into the camera <laughs> and, you know, that very <laughs> monotone voice. But it worked so well because it was like, you know it added to that creep factor. Like you're saying, it was like, you know, if you're watching unsolved mysteries at like two o'clock in the morning, as you're a kid and you're like up late in the summertime and you're watching unsolved mysteries, you're like hiding under oh, your bed yeah. sheets. It got it's me like, good. It, and it's real life. And it's like, yeah. you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so crazy. I, I think that my only, um, stab at it is that the variety and types of stories i feel like they i believe they had six episodes okay and five of them are just missing people which is it is a serious thing and like you know some one in particular is very serious and you're just and it's making news headlines about like what this is happening mainly because of um you know what's happening in the news but like most of them are missing persons and one of them is a UFO story. Ooh. And I feel like the good thing that kind of made unsolved mysteries good was kind of the mix between real life kind of missing person murder kind of stuff and the supernatural. So like you'll have the ghost stories or the UFO stories and every once in a while you would have kind of like the hopeful, like, 
you know, twins that were separated at birth that may be like reunited later in life. So like, um, but with this new Netflix version, all but one of them was, you know, missing person Mm. and you had the UFO of one, but it was still great. You know, the first one is bonker story that you're just like, how does this even happen? Um, but like the rest of them are like, you know, how is this an unsolved mystery is obviously the husband. <laughs> you're just, you're just telling the story just to like out yeah. the husband on this and everybody rages. You just need it, evidence, <laughs> which makes you like really proud to be a white, a male husband <laughs> in this society. You're like, Oh great. Everybody's going to think I've murdered Seriously. my wife. If something tragically happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. And it's like, um, it came out, I think it came out 4th of July weekend and like, uh, me and my wife, Haley were like, um, so what do you want to watch? Do you want to watch unsolved mysteries, twilight zone or babysitters club, which were all shows that came out with new episodes that weekend. Yeah. And we're like, what year <laughs> <Seriously>? is it? <laughs> it's like, but we were like so stoked that like all these <laughs> things were coming out. Call you on like, my hamburger phone. <laughs> I know for real. It's so insane. But yeah, I would definitely watch it. It definitely still has that creep factor with mm-hmm. it, you know, and, but, um, you know, it's not, it's not too much that, you know, I'm not really too big on crime stories or whatever, but I'll get into some unsolved mysteries. Cause okay. I love like the kind of mystery of it and the, oh, yeah. the kind of things that like you can't explain yeah. and all that. So it's, I would definitely recommend it. It's only six episodes, mm-hmm. you know, and okay. I think that they're going to come out with six more later on this year, which I hear that they're going to have a ghost story one, which I'm super stoked for. That's so. a treat. Yeah. yeah. I've definitely, I watched, uh, I, I certainly watched it as a kid. Like I, when I probably shouldn't have been, I feel like that I watched like cops rescue nine one one and unsolved <laughs> mysteries. Like I, I was a junkie <laughs> for them for some reason. I just watched so much of it. Um, and that was back when like, uh, discovery channel or TLC was like basically showing everyone who lives in the Midwest that was like getting glass put under their skin by aliens. Uh, and, uh, yeah. oh my gosh, I don't know. That haunted me in a tra- traumatizing way, but all that said, yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things where I just, it's not something I would normally gravitate to, but if it's done in a interesting way that isn't just to like scare the heck out of me i I might give it a shot it's just not i mean it's it's told straight you know i don't feel like they're really trying to get under your skin in any way but it is very just the storytelling Mm. aspect of it you know it's very compelling and you know you know that's the kind of thing that it's just like oh my gosh this is real (laughs) this is insane which the second episode this will only kind of matter to people in our area takes place in coming georgia oh which is you know, which I live in Alpharetta, which is, you know, you know, just the next town over. So it's like, and you know, it happened like 10 or 15 years ago. So it wasn't anything like super recent. Well, it was probably more than that. It's probably 10 or 20 years. Um, but just the fact that it was like, you know, you know, 20 or 30 minutes away from where I live. I'm just like, man, that's crazy Mm -hmm. that like, you know, out of all the, unsolved mystery stories that they could tell it's like there was one that kind of happened that was super close to where i live crazy i didn't realize they had one that was that close yeah it's nuts my my okay our our next one our last thing that we'll we'll talk about is the netflix has brought about the babysitter's club as a tv series Mm -hmm. and um you have watched a few episodes am i right Uh and i i've watched the whole thing okay 
uh i'll let since i've done most of the talking at this point do you want to talk about what you thought about no, it? i mean i so far i feel like they're introducing some new characters and obviously they have to bring it into like i know we talked about it a, an episode or two ago about like was it going to be set in that time period or was it set now uh, when it comes to like do they have cell phones and do they have all those things and so i feel like in some weird way it's still solving like or still addressing like the same um like era of simple or not era it's not the right word the same like age bracket of problems in a weird way but it's playing more into like their relationships with each other which i think has been really interesting but i think it's mm. It didn't hold my attention well enough, maybe as a guy, or maybe I didn't watch enough episodes or whatever, for me to be like, "Oh man, yeah, I gotta finish this. It's so good." It just yeah. didn't get there for me. Yeah, but. it's it's one of those things where you have to have a filter with it. This is meant for kids. Yeah. It is not. It's not necessarily for adults. And I think I realized that, like, maybe later than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it. Uh, well, we might pick it back up. I, my wife was like, I showed her the trailer for it, and she knew it was like Babysitter's Club, like in like a few seconds of watching it. Yeah. And so I think in some weird way, she was like kind of interested in watching it because she watched it as a kid. But uh, we've not gone back to watch beyond I think the third episode. Did she read the books? Because mm-hmm. I I think that was you know they had a movie and they. I think they had a brief TV show that I don't think really did well, but the main thing that people, it's kind of like goosebumps. It was like most people knew it as a book series and watching it's like, you know, I I was kind of, I wanted to watch it because mainly because of, you know, this podcast, I feel like it would be a good thing to Mm -hmm. watch. But in doing that, I was like, Haley actually read the books when she was a kid and I I didn't even know Mm -hmm. that. And so, like, when we started watching it, she's like, oh, I, I love Claudia. She was my favorite. And, like, there was, like, th- this thing where she was, like, you know, reading the books. She, she would always do this thing where she would hide candy in her room. And they did that in the in the series where she would be like, oh, do you want gummy worms? She would, like, pop out, uh, you know, uh, behind a pillow randomly in her room. And Haley said that she would actually do that as a kid. She would like have this candy box that was, she would hide in her room because of Claudia did that. that. And it's just, it's just this funny thing. Cause like, you know, I experienced, you know, as a white male growing up, it's like, I, there are so many things that we talk about on a monthly basis that come out that like, I'm like nostalgic for, but it was like, it was really cool to watch her be nostalgic towards yeah. something because, you know, you know, as a, as a girl, it's like, there's not a whole lot that like, that was specifically geared towards girls, uh, you know, during that time there are plenty, but like, there aren't things that are coming back that Sadly like, true, yeah. you know, have this like cult status that, that they can be nostalgic about. So it was really cool to kind of sit back and watch her, uh, enjoy that. And she, she would do this thing where she would be feel kind of guilty about it. Like, Oh, are you sure you want to watch it? I'm like, yes. I, it's like, I'm enjoying it. It's like, you know, I'm loving kind of like the, it, it almost feels like a nineties a TV does, show, yeah. but set in current times. And it's almost like a timeless thing. Cause if you take out the cell phones it it could be taken, it could, it could be, uh, 
a time period of like the last 20 or 30 years. Like it, it has like this timeless mm-hmm. storytelling aspect to it, I guess, because they're adapting it from, you know, the books and everything. Yeah. Um, but as you go along, I would be interested if you think the same thing, maybe it would be good to, for you to watch it through this filter, but I kind of view it as a kid version of like, this is us or parenthood. Oh, okay. Okay. Like it, it's very much a kid show, yeah. but it, it, it doesn't talk down to kids. Hmm. It, it very much kind of pushes things that kids go through. You know, there's an episode, I don't want to spoil anything, but like <laughs> there's an episode where, uh, one of the girls goes through uh, kind of a medical thing that she's embarrassed of. And it's very much a thing that it's very common. And you would be like, oh, wow, people are embarrassed of that. But it's like just to see the transparency in it and to see, to have empathy for people and kids that kind of go through that, that are embarrassed of it. And they tell very real issues that um, can kind of challenge you know, not only kids, but adult minds mm. as they kind of tell these stories yeah. and kind of, it, it really hones in on that kind of empathy level of like what people are going through. It, it really hones in on story. And, uh, that's why I kind of compare it to something like this is us yeah. or parenthood for kids. Cause it's like, to be honest, it's like, I think just about every episode I had a tear, uh, like I, I cried a bit. Huh. And some of the time, I don't even know why (laughs) I think like they just like handled things so well and kind of were so transparent and not kind of putting a gloss over things, but really being real about Hmm. it. Um, and again, you have to see it through a filter through it's a kid's show. So you kind of have to look past that a bit, but that's that's a good um, perspective though. I definitely didn't view it as that. But that's enlightening to yeah, see it that it's, way. Yeah, it's like I haven't said that to anybody, but like I, I would be interested because I know that you were a fan of both of those oh, yeah, shows. So sure. I, I would be interested to see if you kind of have the same viewpoint of that because like I could be totally wrong or kind of over exaggerating that, but like I kind of view it as something like that for kids. No, that's that's it's a good um, perspective. I I want to watch it with that in mind now to see if I'm more of an advocate in that sense versus just being like meh. It's not my yeah. age bracket, which is not really fair. I, I would definitely keep going because, like, I know that the first few episodes are very kind of like, you know, you kind of have to adjust your expectations to it. And you're just like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can get through this. But <laughs> it, it it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So, that's rare. You know, it it is, you know, very well received, I mm-hmm. feel like. And especially if you have kids there, there definitely are some controversial subject matters, but you know, as far as, you know, the content, you know, there's no language or anything like that. So it's definitely safe for kids, but you know, maybe if you're a parent, definitely watch it beforehand just to make sure that you're okay with your kids being too exposed to things that, you know, that you may not want them to be aware of yet, but it definitely is a good way to introduce them to it. If you need, yeah, to. that's what I'll say. Do you feel um, like it's a good, um, would it be like a good tool for parents to introduce some of these topics or conversations into the things? I think so because there's a lot of things that parents probably have trouble explaining to their kids. Um, um, but I, I feel, I, feel, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, 
get in trouble here by recommending something like that, but like, I feel like they handle it very well. Mm. Um, one thing I did want to mention is that there is a very mini documentary. It's like 15 minutes on Netflix and it's called the Claudia Kishi club. And that is they, which is the Asian Uh character in the babysitters club. And it is very fascinating because, um, if you watch it, it's, it kind of goes through, it interviews creatives that are in the creative field that have been influenced by Claudia. Oh, that's interesting. It was, she was a character where like, you know, as white males, we kind of took this for granted, but like to have not only just an Asian girl, but an Asian just in general was very rare to have a role model in pop culture. They kind of go into it at the beginning where it's like, there was the yellow power ranger. There was data from the Goonies and like a few other kind of things where they were like, you know, part of like a group, but they weren't really ever the main character. And oftentimes, you know, they would play into stereotypes and like, they would just be the foreign exchange student and movies and TV and things like that. But Claudia was one of the first ones that like defied the stereotypes. Like she wasn't a smart person, but she was artistic and she was creative and, you know, she had, you know, a very unique fashion sense and things like that, where it's like, it was for someone that wasn't, you know, you know, um, what, if you kind of defied the stereotype of an Asian person that like, you kind of look to her as inspiration and someone to kind of give permission to yourself to be, you know, something else, be your own Uh self. And it follows these probably a handful of people that are doing creative things in the field. And some of them, like there was one girl that was, who um, is an illustrator that does a babysitter's club uh, graphic novels. Interesting. And she was influenced because of Claudia. And there was a handful of other people that are in a creative field because they felt permission to be themselves because of Claudia from the babysitter's club. So it's like, Gosh, it, it it makes me so like proud and emotional that like pe- these we kind of talk through these things every month and but and a lot of people can kind of roll their eyes at it but these things matter you know like as a kid if you feel like an outsider or an underdog of any yeah. kind you know I've always talked about Angus was that thing for me even though I wasn't an overweight kid I was definitely. I felt like I was made fun of and I was an outcast, but it kind of helped me kind of be okay with Mm -hmm. me and give permission to be me. So it's so cool that we can find these characters and kind of find ourselves in and give us permission to be us. So like I would definitely watch It's only like 15 or 16 minutes. It's a very short watch, but it's very impactful after you watch the the babysitters yeah. club like it's, again it's called the claudia kishi club and uh it's 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 fantastic yeah, put that so junk I in the show notes for that. sure yeah for sure yeah. Yeah, yeah i'll definitely check that out because i think i think what you're describing and obviously we're over time in a long ways but that's fine um yeah. worth it <laughs> we're well that's past what it's, an hour that's what but it's for but it's i think fine. in some sense no i think what you're saying is like you don't realize the things that are formative in a time when you don't understand that things are formative and i think that's where we're sort of looking back on that and can see where those tipping points are but you know 
people will watch those now for the first time and it's maybe the first time they're being introduced to some of those concepts or some of those thought processes even of themselves so i think that's um i'm very now i'm more intrigued to go back and and keep picking up where we left off it's interesting yeah i would definitely do so and i'm sorry if you don't know i mean (laughs) it's good but okay all right well that's all that we have for today and sorry it went on so long but like i said we're only going to be doing one episode this month so it's kind of like two and one or three and one i don't know (laughs) we're kind of at an hour and a half right now so um and it's only uh two-thirds of us so (laughs) i you know i hope the next episode we can be joined by Corey. i know that you know we're going to be very respectful of his time with this new baby girl and so like i don't know what the next few episodes look like but you know just Continue to stick with us and we'll kind of figure it out as we yep. go along. Like I said, I want to be respectful of mm-hmm. Corey. Um, and he's definitely missed in this episode. But um, if you want to follow us, I'm going to see if I Ooh, can do I'm this. So Corey does, does it Run so well. If you, if you want to follow us, you can follow us at PasswordCast at Twitter, at Instagram, at Facebook. And if you want to email us, it's PasswordCast at AOL. Oh, man, Corey's out of a job now. And Good job. <laughs> <laughs> no i don't well it's all the same handle so like if you just type in password cast in any of your apps i'm sure something will come up unless you're on tiktok or something <laughs> for now we we're not on that um but um let's see uh yeah if you want to maybe like and subscribe us we don't really ask that that much but if you if you uh give us a review or five star review or one star review whatever just yeah. you know push some push a button and we'll be a thankful yeah, we'll send it. you a whip cookie it'll trigger some algorithm or something <laughs> but yeah so um until next time be excellent to each other ditto i like that all right later snork Pass forward was recorded in front of a live studio audience at nickelodeon studios at universal studios in orlando florida not Oh yeah, kick it!